Are you sick and tired of ads? Well, this is an ad telling you that you don't need to listen to ads. Stitcher Premium has some of your favorite shows ad-free, like The Joe Rogan Experience, My Favorite Murder, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and the Marvel original, Wolverine the Long Night. It also includes early access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more. Go to stitcherpremium.com and upgrade your account for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. Plus, sign up and use our offer code, CAPED, at checkout and get your first month for free. That's CAPED, C-A-P-E-D, for your first month free. Stitcher Premium. It's like Stitcher, but premium. This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm dave michaels i'm brian betts and we are the cape podcasters this is the show where when we say the word superhero the first thing that comes to our mind is paul rudd definitely definitely the first thing that comes to my mind friend zone paul rudd friend zone not friends friend zone friends own crap bag that's the character oh friends own goodness it's like was he in a movie that i don't know about called friend zone it was called I Love You Friend Zone. Got it. We got a special guest with us today. It's the number one sidekick super fan, Steven. Welcome back. <laughs> you almost fucked up my title there. I caught that. You almost fucked it up. Yeah, you know, you're you're like an ant man in my life. You're too small for me to care. <laughs> wow. <Rude. laughs> We've I've been Rude. here for thirty seconds. <laughs> Jesus. In ant time, that's like years. That's true. Right? That's true. That's how ant time works. That checks out. Is that how ant time works? Or are we talking about I'm pretty sure that's how ant time works. Pretty sure. We're talking Ant-Man Ant from Man. 2015. Directed by Peyton Reed. He's a uh, very interesting choice for director in this thing. <laughs> Bring It On fame? The cheerleading movie? Yeah, of course. I, I always think that when you do a cheerleading movie, you're basically just signed up to do a superhero movie after that. Well, he also did the Back to the Future TV series, the long-lived sure Back to the Future TV series. That's the full title of that TV series, The Long-Lived series from back to the future i had you know, no idea that like was six a years thing. later he's like let's do the weird al show another very successful yeah, so this TV all checks show out so far everybody knows about right of course he was also the mastermind who was like you know what would make a good couple jennifer aniston and vince vaughn <laughs> uh quip nation that's what that one should have been mm. i know i've seen this thing before i know that brian has seen this thing before Steven, you ever seen Ant-Man? I have never seen it before just three hours ago. And your thoughts? Um, I thought, well, let me Hold back on, up. hold on. Let me ask you this. I want to, yeah, let's back up because I want to ask you why you haven't seen this before. I know that you were pretty against this. So Deep Cut, Brian and I actually used to work together. That's how he and I know each other. Um, and we quickly got along. Uh, and when that movie came out, I, I remember him being super hyped about it. And I was like, a movie about an ant superhero? Not for me, man. Uh, and you know, Brian's agreeable. I think, I think he took that for what it was. He went and saw it and he came back. He's like, dude, you got to see it. And I was like, nope, not for me. Um, the second one came and went, he also endorsed that movie. Nope, not for me. And it's actually become almost a part of our friendship that I just refused to see that fucking movie. Um, you heard it friendship over tonight. (laughs) So he told me, uh, you know, we're going to do Ant-Man. You need to be, you need to be on it. Uh, and you know, what sidekick super fan. (laughs) <laughs> what sidekick superfan would I be if I didn't? So I just saw it for the first time three hours ago. And? 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 It's, I, I wish I didn't. I still wish I didn't see it. It's exactly what I was expecting. 
Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Paul Rudd doesn't act. He Paul Rudds, but we can get into that. <laughs> yeah, well, we just did. We just talked about Batman Forever and Jim Carrey. Jim carries the fuck out of that movie. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Um, In a very different way than Paul Rudd, Paul Rudds. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I don't want to sound like a queer or anything, um, but I want to get too ahead of myself. <laughs> Wrong movie. You're going to orgasmo <laughs> it? I love it. That was my favorite one we've Throwback. ever Throwback. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's a, it's a spectacle for the eyes. It, it doesn't do much else, but we'll get there. We will get there. We will get yeah. there. It's funny because we've been talking about you coming on this episode for a long, long time because with the MCU movies, we do them in order. I feel like we should say that again at some point because it's been a long time since we've said that. Yeah. We do them in order. It's the only thing that we do in order, really. Sort well, of. I we kind we, of do Batman a little and bit in order. Yeah, and then X-Men we've been doing in, in as much of an order as you can give it. They just yeah. reboot every two seconds, so it's hard to keep up. <laughs> we haven't gone out of order yet on the X-Men, so. No, we've only done, what, three? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you've ruined three it for me many. each time. Yeah, well. I've never seen the the ones that are coming up next, so this is exciting. When we do get there one day. <laughs> yeah. Depending on if we decide to do the Wolverines first. Yeah, we'll we'll cross that road. Cross <laughs> that lake, just alkaline, whatever when we get there. Brian, what's this thing about? Oh boy. It's about an <laughs> Ant Man. There you have it. Ant Man! Roll credits. The movie. <laughs> we start off at Shield Headquarters in nineteen eighty nine. But, like, we start off. We don't even get a breather into this thing. It's just, bam, you're here. Yeah. Movie. Go. It was like, bam, shield. 89. We're building that building that was in the last movie right now because it's the past. It actually, it does start so hot that I had to make sure. So I was watching it on my roommate's Disney Plus, and I had to make sure that he didn't start it already because I I, I thought I was in the middle of a scene. It, it starts hot. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, kind of sounds like you and your roommate watching a movie. It starts real hot. True. And then you got to watch Ant-Man to cool down. <laughs> it would do that. Hey, what's going to get rid of that in your pants? Paul Rudd? You got it. <laughs> no, he's pretty cut in this movie. He is very cut in this movie. But we start off in 1989 with a Lola visual effects flex. Because we have Hank Pym. It is a big flex. A young Michael Douglas looks incredible. Yeah, I think that... This Michael Douglas looks better than anyone in The Irishman. Yeah, Mikey Duggs. That's old Mikey Duggs. That's right. He is confronting Howard the Stark and Mitchell Carson about them <laughs> trying to replicate some kind of red liquid. He walks out do. vowing that as long as he's alive, nobody will ever get a hold of his science. And <laughs> his mojo. Peggy was there too. Oh, his mojo. I like that. Then we immediately cut to San Quentin Prison in 2015. Scott Lang, you know, Paul Rudd, we, we talked about him already a little bit. He's getting out of prison today. His former cellmate, Luis, played by Michael Pena, is picking him up in this sweet van and letting him crash at his place. We should say, should have been Oscar winner Michael Pena for this Michael role, Pena's so he's good. phenomenal. He's phenomenal in this movie. Oh, we are going to disagree. So we are going to disagree tonight. It's not, no, we're not saying we're at this point. It's going to be, you are going to disagree with the rest of the world because the yeah. rest of the world thinks Michael Pena is a treasure in this movie. Oh, He's Lord. so good. Okay. He wants to introduce Scott to some, of, some skilled people, but Scott refuses. Uh, he says he has to take care of his daughter. He has a master's in electrical engineering. He's going to be fine. Welcome to Baskin Robbins. <laughs> it's so good. 
Uh, Scott's boss fires him after finding out about his time in prison because Baskin Robbins always finds out. <laughs> Even though his boss is saying how cool his crimes were. He's like, you yeah, stuck uh, into the man? That's awesome. I gotta fire I, you. It wasn't Good a violent you. crime. It was a cool crime. <laughs> he did get a free smoothie out of it. Sure did. Yeah, he got that mango free mango fruit blast. they called it. Fruit blast, that's sure. it. Sure. When Scott returns to Louise's place, he's introduced to Kurt and Dave, Louise's skilled friends from before. We learned what his crime actually was. He was fired from a company called Vistatech after he learned that they were overcharging their clients and making millions from it. So he hacked their security systems and returned millions of dollars back to the clients they stole it from, posted the bank receipts online, and drove the CEO's Bentley into a swimming pool. As you do. I don't know why, but when they said that whole backstory, I kept thinking, my stapler. I need to find my stapler. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was <laughs> definitely <laughs> some in a tech kind of conspiracy. Luis tells Scott, that he has a tip on an easy job, but Scott is still not interested. Hank Pym is invited to a presentation at Pym Tech, where it's clear that he hasn't been in a while. His former protege and the current CEO, Darren Cross, Corey Stoll, who I'm convinced has never, ever played a good guy. Nope. Why does he need to? Be typecast if he keeps getting your work. Yeah, sure. Uh, Paul Rudd. Oh, wait. There it is. He was in a Marvel movie. <laughs> That's, but he was also the the good guy and the extremely likable guy. Oh, that's true. Even I don't know though if he was he a plays ex-con. the likable guy, he's he is just a likable guy. That's why Edgar Wright originally cast him, which is another thing we should talk about at some point. I think we're gonna get there. Uh, yeah, we're definitely gonna get there. There's a bit of like a murderer's row of writers on this thing. Yeah, Darren Cross, uh, his daughter Hope, who's played by Evangeline Lilly, and Mitchell Carson from the first scene all show up and say hi to him before they go into this presentation. Right. There's clearly issues going on because Hope is all like, eh, fuck you, dad. Yeah. She's like, hi, Hank. He's like, we're to kill you to call me dad. <laughs> right. And this other guy, Mitchell, got punched in the face by Hank in the opening scene. And he's just like, oh, how you doing? He's like, how's your face? How's ah, your face? It's very it's quippy. Like, she even has like a I'm mad at my dad haircut. Like her haircut even says like there's some yeah. shit between oh daddy and it's I. It's so bad. For sure. <laughs> hair is so bad. Her haircut's the type of haircut that says like, dad, you know your, you know your partner at work? Totally fucking him on the side. Yeah. Just letting you know that. Dad, I did anal with three black guys last week. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's the haircut. <laughs> that was Steven saying that. That wasn't him doing a, an aside. I just want to let everyone know that. <laughs> it was both. That's why it rolled off the tongue so quickly. <laughs> it just came so it was naturally. It's the forefront of the mind of like, well, me and Evangeline Lily have something in common. It's the haircut. <laughs> just the haircut. Nothing else. Wink. <laughs> Ding. Citing rumors and propaganda of a secret project from the past involving a tiny soldier and buried research into a particle that it alters the space between atoms, Cross claims to have made the impossible possible. Right. What he did was he created a small soldier, and there's no Gorgons in this movie, so don't get confused. <laughs> if there's no Gorgons, that means the small soldiers can run amok. Correct. Cross unveils the yellow jacket shrinking armor to be sold to the military. One attendee brings up his concerns with the tech falling into the wrong hands, blah, blah, blah. Mitchell Carson makes Cross an offer on the spot. I want that tiny man suit. I like how Darren Cross goes up to this guy who puts up his objections, and he's like, I want to hear all about it. Your opinions matter to me. And right away you go, bad guy. That's the bad guy. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Super intimidating with the hand on the shoulder thing. Where else right. have we seen uh, that? Uh, you know what? I, I bet I know some guy who does that pretty well. We find out that Hope is secretly in cahoots with her father and wants to take care of the situation on her own, 
before Cross figures out how to shrink organic matter. But Hank refuses to let her wear the Ant-Man suit. But he thinks he found a guy. Wink! Ding! Scott drops by his daughter Cassie's birthday party uninvited. He gives Cassie a gift, but is told to leave by his ex-wife Maggie. Judy Greer! It is Judy Greer, but that's not the person I'm interested in. I'm interested in, in Paxton, the yeah. new fiancé man. Our Bobby Carnavale. Officer Jim Paxton. Right. I remember the first time I saw this movie. I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it right after it got out of theaters. I think I redboxed it. That's Oh, that's a thing. Why does Redbox feel old? It is old. Yeah, but it feels like real old to say now. Yeah. 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 Oh, I redboxed it. Oh, you must have done that in 2015. Yeah, but it feels like that's like a generation removed from like, I went to Blockbuster. It's like, I redboxed it. I went to the mini Blockbuster outside of CVS. (laughs) Uh, The whole time I saw this and I saw him in this movie, this was right after I had watched Boardwalk when he was the, the bad dude. Okay. It's like season four. And I'm just like, I've seen your dick. That thought did not cross my mind one time while watching this. <laughs> I, I recognize them as uh, from the other guys. He's the cop who yells at him for killing Jeter or shooting Jeter. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. He calls him a biracial angel. It would have been a way different movie <laughs> if, he was being, uh, if he was being portrayed by Patrick Wilson as originally intended. Nope. No. Yeah. No, thank you. Nope. Nope. Hard nope. no, in fact. We've had way too much Patrick Wilson on this show already. Somehow he always shows up even when he's not in the movie. It's always like, Patrick Wilson was almost here. And it's always like, well, I'm wasn't glad he, he wasn't. was he Phantom of the Opera? We didn't bring him up in Phantom of the Opera, I don't think, when we talked about 300. Uh, no, we didn't. Because why should we? And there you go. And now he's in. We did it. We, went, we retconned not talking about him. <laughs> Maggie tells Scott that until he has a job and pays his back child support, that he can say goodbye to these. Because it's the last time he's going to see them. I'm lifting my shirt up right now like Kitty Sanchez. And, I like it. I um, like it a lot. Okay. He needs he needs to do those things before gla- he can see take Cassie. The, take the glasses off. Yeah, okay. Take the glasses off. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Put put the glasses on. Shirt uh shirt up, glasses on. Hair did we did we try hair down hair, glasses the hair. on? Try to, we should try <laughs> Um he needs to do those things before he can see Cassie again. Meanwhile, Darren Cross kills the dude that was like, I don't know about this man. So he's gone. He, he yeah, but I like I I like how he, he kills him because he's in the bathroom with him and he's looking all sinister. He's handing him like a paper towel to dry his hands, and then he does he, he shoots him with whatever gun it is, and it makes him all gushy. It's a burger gun. It's a it's a snot rocket. Oh boy, he zaps him <laughs> into a pile of strawberry jelly. Yeah, but then he actually takes the time to clean it up for a second, and he flushes him. It's like man, that's a genius crime. Oh yeah, how are you gonna trace that? That's a lot like killing a man with an icicle. When I'm you sure think about that place it. doesn't have security cameras. He runs the place. Who cares? That's true. Scott does some nerdy Thursday math and realizes that he can't see his kid for a long time. So he agrees to Luis's job offer. That's not nerdy Thursday math because they get it done in a very quick shot, whereas Sean and Mitch would still be talking about it five years removed from this movie. They'd still be discussing Yeah, but didn't it say something like he couldn't see Cassie for 517 days? Like I thought it was like 377 or something like that. I don't know why that number's sticking with me. I don't know. I don't know numbers. Not part of Nerdy Thursday. I, I thought it was like just a few, like a few days over a year. Right. Yeah. I guess it's a long time sense. still. But it's still a long time to not see your kid after you haven't seen her for like three years. Yeah, but it's his second favorite kid. Oh, I see that you guys aren't keeping up. Uh, allow me to clarify for you. Uh, Anthony, who he clearly has the most emotional connection to <laughs> in this entire movie. Well, he hasn't met him yet. Oh, okay. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. 
We'll talk about Antony. <laughs> I can't wait. Louise heard from Ernesto, who heard from Carlos, who heard from Emily, who's a housekeeper for a retired Big Shot CEO, that he has a safe in his basement and he's gone for a week. And that's enough for Scott to be like, yeah, that's I'm it. in. <laughs> sure. That actually sounds real easy to do. So the gang formulates a plan. While Kurt monitors the phone lines, Scott is over the fence, up the wall, and disables the security system in no time. And then he's in. I want to talk about Kurt for a hot second. Let's talk about Kurt. Kurt is the same guy from uh, Dark Knight, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, David Dastmalchian, or whatever his name is. Something like that. He's got that face. When you see him, you're just like, that Oh, that's guy. the guy. That's uh, Discount Kramer. Exactly. And this one, he's Discount <laughs> Russian Kramer, or whatever he is. I think more importantly is Dave in this movie. T.I.? T.I. What the hell? Yeah. Sometimes you you film a movie and you're like, what you the know hell? what we need? T.I. You can have whatever you like. Uh, <laughs> and you get T.I. <laughs> I see what you did there and I appreciate it. And I also agree with Steven's groan. No, that's the right groan. <laughs> now, here's the real question about rapper turned actors who have barely had roles. Where do you think T.I. falls? Because let's keep in mind, you have Eminem with 8 Mile. I don't think he's done anything other than 8 Mile. You have Most Deaf, who's done a little bit here and there, but I'm going to say the thing he's most known for is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, for sure. Who else have you had? Ludacris in all of the Fast and Furious movies. Every oh, single that's one a good of them. Point. He's, got, he's got the recurring. But that's yeah. Fast and the Furious. For what yeah, it's worth. That's barely it, a I movie. Mean, I'm sitting in the fortress right now looking at a chair, and I confuse it with Vin Diesel. <laughs> like, you don't have to have much talent in order to be in those movies. For what it's worth, they just cast John Cena in the new one, didn't they? Or they shot it even. And I've seen that man act, and it is, uh, it is a, I don't know, it is fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, wrestlers turned actors is a whole other category. Right, and they paid the guy, and you can't even see him on screen. <laughs> oh, get out. <laughs> this same could be said for Batista. <laughs> so the house they're robbing has a fingerprint scanner, so obviously Scott has to fashion a thumbprint from a doorknob using shipping tape, super glue, and the stove, which gets it's awesome. him in. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's super awesome. believable. I like it. I like it a lot. It's pretty neat. Great movie. Once he Great gets movie inside, so there's a second safe door. But luckily, he has liquid nitrogen on him, which he uses to freeze water he pours into the locking mechanism, which expands the door and blows it off. Neat. Right. He got the liquid nitrogen off the roof of whatever the building they were in was in Batman Forever. Something oh, yeah. Liquid nitrogen exists everywhere. I thought that was uh, <laughs> the Amazing Spider-Man too, Or the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. Every room should have liquid nitrogen. They all blend together at a point. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. All these movies are blending together at this point, which is a a bit of a problem when you think about it. Yeah. Inside the safe is a motorcycle suit and nothing else. But he takes the suit anyway, because burglar's going to burgle. The whole time, (laughs) he was unaware that he's being watched by Hank Pym. Hank Pym is definitely cucking this robbery. Oh, for sure. Oh, he's going to blow up the safe? Oh, yes. Yes, blow it up. This good is job. Good, for good job with the safe. Oh, yes. 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 Cross, Mikey Doug's going to get it tonight. Cross is still trying to perfect the organic atomic reduction process, testing it out on sheep, which turn into strawberry jelly also. <laughs> Sacrificial lambs, if you will. Boo. Oh, wow. No, not a boo at all. That boo. Was... Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I guess it turned out on set that day that the caterer just happened to be bringing lamb chops, and it was a very awkward meal. Aww. <laughs> I'm sad now. Oops. Whoopsie. Back at Louise's place, Scott is super suspicious of the suit, so he puts it on in the bathtub, as you do. He notices some buttons on the gloves, and he presses one, shrinking him to microscopic size, just as Louise enters the bathroom. 
Immediately, Hank is in his ear, telling him it's a trial by fire as Louise turns on the bathtub faucet. Scott goes on a tiny adventure through the apartment building, first at an apartment rave party, then in a vacuum cleaner, then chased by a rat and eventually leaping out a window and landing on a car. All right, let's talk about this because this is important. This is kind of, in every one of these movies, you get your scene of someone learning their powers. Yeah. And it usually happens like this, where just a lot of mishaps and it's, it's comedy and it's great. Yeah. Right. In this one, he's like falling through floors and stuff like that, falling through sure cracks is. and whatnot. And there's only one thing that doesn't fall through. The vinyl record. And it's the vinyl record. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Why? Because it's it's a cool shot. <laughs> it is. It's a very cool shot. But for what it's worth, Edgar Wright knows how fragile vinyl records are because he used them against zombies in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm you I'm would, not you a proponent. Think. I'm not a proponent of it. I I, I think it's a ridiculous uh, rule breaking shot. But I think they sacrifice their own rules and his own powers for a cool shot. Oh, I think Fair they enough. do that a lot in this movie, actually. <laughs> they sure they do. Sure do. They sure do. We will absolutely get there. I have a very specific example <laughs> in mind. I'm very excited to hear it. <laughs> I, I probably believe this is a Peyton Reed scene then. That's right. This It's almost shot for shot from Bring It On. That's how you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, this is a, you got a, a high school rave party. I don't know how Edgar Wright that feels. Except for that one scene in World's End. Uh, I wouldn't even put it there. I'd put it spaced. I haven't seen spaced. There's a whole entire episode dedicated to spaced with the song. What is it? Come on, Eileen. Oh, you don't have to wait. There's like a whole thing about that. About high school parties? It's not high school. High it's school adults. rave parties? <laughs> Scott is freaked out. So he returns the suit to the house where they stole it from. And as he jumps the fence back into the street, the police are there and they arrest him. Hey, he didn't steal anything. He's just returning what he stole. Ah, shouldn't have said that. Ah, sh- shucks. At the jail, Scott is visited by his lawyer, who is actually Hank. The security camera is obscured by ants. Neat. Hank convinces Scott that his <laughs> options are either to go back to prison or entertain his little plan. Back in his cell, a bunch of ants carry in the tiny suit and make it all big again. And then they start doing a countdown like a little ant marching band. And Scott, right. Scott throws the suit on, shrinks, and gets the hell out of there. The, the countdown starts at 10, and then the next shot we see is 4. And he's and fully he's in the suit. Yeah. And that's a, that's a problem. Yeah, it's one of that those, is a problem. It's one of those suits you can put on in 6 seconds. That's right. That's the Nick Cage sequel to Gone in 6 Seconds is Suit On in 6 Seconds. Suit, and suit, and, suit never in happened. 6. Right. Suit in 6. Suit in 6. The Barney Simpson story. That's what it is. Yeah. The police start panicking and looking for him as he flies away on a carpenter ant. It's uh, number 147, I guess. There's a lot of ants. There's a lot of ants. Scott passes out, falls from the ant. When he wakes up, he's back at the house he stole the suit from, but now Hope is standing there watching him. She tells him, hey, Hank's waiting for you downstairs, and he has to tiptoe through some bullet ants covering the floor. That's not what I want in my house. That's, uh, I feel like, unnecessary. They could have just been like, all right, he's flying back cut to him meeting with Hank. But he's also very sneaky. He's John Turturro-level sneaky. Very, very sneaky. I had two questions by the time this scene rolled around. One of them was, is this a superhero movie? Which I think is a valid question and, and one we probably should keep in the back of our minds as we go through the rest of it. And two, and, and this is probably even more important to keep at the forefront, are we talking about fucking ants this entire movie? <laughs> Actual so, fucking number ants. one is yes. 
Yes, it is a superhero movie. Number two, also yes. <laughs> yeah, we're we're talking about ants. Yeah, I'm gonna. I haven't shown my hand yet on this movie, and I, I think I might need to. I think you just did. I fucking adore this movie. Yeah, of course you do. I absolutely love this movie. This is the least amount of notes I've ever taken in an episode because of how much I was enjoying just watching it. In it, I love this movie. It's so much fun. Any movie other than a Marvel studio, or any any studio other than Marvel made this movie, I don't think you'd feel that way. I think if any other studio other than Marvel made this movie, they get their asses sued because it's a Marvel property. Of course. <laughs> Fuck you. What are you about? <laughs> no, I think it's uh, it's based on an existing IP, which is fine. And they definitely are aware of the goofiness of it. They lean into it. That's why they cast Paul Rudd. Exactly. Like if they had been Patrick Wilson. That's why this Wilson, thing is written. They wouldn't work. But that's why they also have Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish. And more importantly... Paul Rudd and Adam McKay writing this thing. Adam McKay writing it. Yeah, it's not meant to be like the stoic. Uh, I don't know. So I'm not. I'm not. For, I'm not familiar with Adam McKay. Oh, Oscar nominee Adam McKay. Adam, Adam McKay is a fascinating career. Adam McKay. You might have seen his movie Step Brothers. Oh no shit. Okay, cool. You might have seen his movie Anchorman. Oh, I sure have. He's okay, also, that, that uh, starts he to make some sense. Vice. You might have also quoted his movie earlier the other guys oh i love that movie so much and then you might have also seen the big short oh i sure so have he's had a, such a broad career of doing very borderline slapstick comedy movies with will ferrell let's just call it what it is yeah yeah and then putting out serious films with christian bale let's just call it what it is that checks out uh, they originally were going to try to bring him in to direct it after edgar wright left and he was like uh I'll, I'll I'm still in my it. transition. I'm not ready for that. Well, no. I mean, he had directed those other movies. He was just like, I don't know. He didn't want to direct it because he's friends with Edgar Wright. Oh, that that's kind of fair, I suppose. He was like, I, I figured it was more because the big short, when did the big short come out? 2015, maybe? Something like that? And he says, L- listen, you can have Paul Rudd be shirtless in one scene. I in The big short, I got Margot Robbie naked in a bathtub. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that one. I'm going to do that movie. Yeah. He's like, I'll do some rewrites for you, but uh, I got other things to do. Hank reveals that he's been watching Scott since he burgled Vistacorp. He offers Scott sugar for his tea, but Scott ain't into that sugar cubes being delivered by ants thing. Hank tells Scott about the pin particles that power the suit and that Darren Cross is close to cracking the formula. Knowing how dangerous it is, he intends to send Scott to steal the yellow jacket and destroy the data. Our first move should be to call the Avengers. It should be. And it's not. Because they're they're a bit busy, you know, dropping cities out of the sky, as yeah. Mikey Doug says. And Hank Pym has been spending his whole life trying to keep the technology out of the hands of a Stark. Paxton gets a text message that Scott's lawyer is Pym. Cassie tells him that she hopes he doesn't catch her dad. Cross successfully shrinks a sheep, and shit gets real. Welcome to the movie. We've made it. We, we, we're set up, finally. Right. Whereas Captain America the Winter Soldier is a lot like a Bourne movie in the way that it operates. Yeah. This movie is now Ocean's One. For the most part, 100%. this is it's a heist movie. Oceans, ants, right? <laughs> and I think that's where I was wrestling with: is this a superhero movie? Because it feels like an Ocean's Eleven. It's a super heist. It's pretty terrific. Hope insists that they don't have the time. She has crossed trust, and she should wear the suit. But Hank is all no. Hank convinces Scott to it's do a good it. Good Michael Cassie. Douglas impression there. You nailed it. You nailed the Michael Douglas. Did I? It is. I just yelled no. 
Yep. I crushed it. That was exactly it. You had to use a voice for it. You didn't have to, but you chose to. That's yeah. now your Michael Douglas impression. That was my Mikey Duggs. Hank convinces Scott to do it for Cassie. Scott begins his training montage, jumping through a keyhole, getting beat up by Hope, meeting the different ants, talking to the ants, planning the heist, and making adjustments to the suit, but not the regulator. If you mess with the regulator, you go subatomic into the quantum realm, where you continue to shrink forever, losing everything you know and love forever. Yep. Uh, that That's going to come back, for sure. <laughs> Hank also fashioned some discs that can shrink and grow stuff to use as weapons. This was the first time that I yelled, oh, what the fuck, out of four to five, oh, what the fucks, that I would then say in the rest of this movie. Oh, boy. <laughs> because of the discs? It it felt silly. It really did. Um, and I, I understand the silly, overarching tone of the movie overall. But when we just have, have discs the that make things... Ugh. Ugh. That's what it got out of me. Can I tell you what's silly? Let me tell you what's silly. Didn't Michael Douglas get cancer from eating out his wife, Catherine Zeta-Jones? <laughs> what? Where did you get that from? Pretty sure it's a thing, isn't it? Anytime you eat out anybody or if you eat out Catherine Zeta-Jones specifically? Is that a possibility? Yeah. Uh, I Googled it here. It was announced on August 16, 2010, that Douglas was suffering from throat cancer, later revealed to have actually been... <laughs> tongue cancer and he on webmd that's how you know it's real michael douglas blames his throat cancer on oral sex so he got his his cancer from munching the muff that is Catherine zeta jones your wife and i are so screwed wow i didn't know that was a possibility yeah you got to be real careful apparently uh wow I feel like this would be like the saddest the more you know that's ever come across like a screen ever on Saturday morning TV. It just <laughs> kind of droops. Whoa. Oh. Right. <laughs> Careful with your tongue in the clam. You're going to probably get cancer. <laughs> <laughs> you thought diet soda was bad. Cotolingus. That's tongue, what's really going to do it. Tongue clam, sir. <laughs> Smoke all you want. Just don't lick any puss. <laughs> I bet Roger Ebert got his his jaw cancer not from eating someone out, and I bet he felt really bad about that. Yeah, that that's um, it's unfortunate to get that kind of cancer not that way. Bet he went, man. I bet there's a cooler way to get this. <laughs> he just knew, like but there we'll was never just know. We never got at to the ask molecular him. level. He knew it wasn't as cool as it could be. Right. The on the subatomic level of eating out, Michael Douglas was like, "This is gonna be pretty cool. Just watch, kids. <laughs> this is gonna be pretty cool." So Scott and Hope have a moment after she gets mad that she's not in the suit, and he explains to her that he's expendable, and Hank's protecting her, and she's like, oh yeah, all right. I don't know- I like that moment a lot. I don't know why I just turned her into- The Swedish chef from Sesame Street? Bork, bork, bork. (laughs) She tells Scott to think about his daughter, and then he immediately understands how to talk to ants. As you do. You gotta think about your daughter. You mean he knows, he learns how to force- uh, ant slave labor. Oh, Correct. they are Correct. kind of enslaving the ants, aren't they? They are yeah, absolutely enslaving that. the ants. But you know what? They're ants. Yeah, let me tell you about the animal kingdom. There's uh, definitely a hierarchy there. Sure, this is like telekinesis shit, Kyle, but still. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not killing a yak. <laughs> With mind bullets? <laughs> that's, so- that's more of a Darren Cross move. That uh, Well, he didn't use mind bullets. But we'll get there. He used the snot rocket. <laughs> Eventually, he used drill bullets, but we'll get there. So that's a good point, though, right? Why Why is it ants only? 
that they can control with this little earpiece like how come squirrels and like the forest deer in the area aren't like running to also push sugar cubes around because it's a lot like am radio yeah it only taps into ant olfactory receptors exactly because we've definitely pinpointed that and darren cross can shrink a man and this is a fucking comic book movie steven god damn it you should be happy that there's a character that can finally shrink down to your size you little bitch oh my god <laughs> i just i just wish you aggressive. had the same it really did I just wish you had the same <laughs> level of understanding when we went over uh, X-Men. No, none, zero. He <laughs> smells really good. Wolverine's also, a stupid character. <laughs> you're, th- you're thinking of Squirrel Girl. She's the one who could talk to squirrels. Oh, of course. Superheroes are kind of dumb sometimes, aren't they? Superheroes are sometimes really dumb. Sometimes the dumb ones are that. the best ones. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Ant-Man's one of the original Avengers. And when you think about it, you're like, Really? Well, no, really? it, it seems like some shit that somebody in the 70s would have come up with. Well, I mean, that's when Doctor Strange was starting to become a thing. That was a pop, like a big popular thing, too, of like, this is psychedelic, man. Put on some dark side and you could sync it up to issue 22 of Doctor Strange or whatever it is. It's not how it worked out, but. Sync up the dark side of the moon to an issue of Doctor Strange. Exactly. Yo, when you read this part, they're singing this part. Everybody reads the same yeah. speed. Just, just <laughs> everybody knows you gotta that. wait till you gotta wait for dorothy to throw off fall off the post when she's over the pig sty in order to advance it i'm sorry you added way too many vowels into that poor girl's name dorothy dorothy goodness <laughs> all right so ant-man was introduced in tales to astonish number 35 in 1962 we know and that was hinted at in this movie because Darren Cross also says, oh, you used to be the Ant-Man. You had all your adventures and tales to astonish. Dang. That's not that heavy-handed. You would have to know that. You're right. I agree. That's a wink ding. That's not a Favreau. I don't know if it's... I think it's kind of a Favreau because Tales to Astonish is one of the more popular old-school Marvel comic series that there is. And the reason why they did all that stuff is because Marvel was only allowed a certain amount of titles, if you will. For their characters. So they hid a lot of characters within other things. So you have Tales to Astonish where you hid Ant-Man who got introduced there. You had something like Ghost Rider who got introduced in Marvel Spotlight. You had uh, Moon Knight who got introduced in Werewolf by Night. Right. So they hid a lot of these characters in order to build them up and, and push them out at their own pace, if you will. All I'm saying. So I took that as a, a pretty big favro that they even said Tales to Astonish. Eh, I don't know. Like, I got the reference, I think it's as but I didn't big think as the, it was. Yeah, but I think it's as big as a, a wing ding, if you will, as the Spider-Man reference that comes at the end of this movie. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. All I'm saying is 1962 seems like a time they'd be coming up with some goofy shit like an Ant-Man. When they go back inside, Hank tells Scott and Hope what really happened to Janet Van Dyne. There was a missile, a nuclear missile headed to the U.S., and even ant-sized, they couldn't breach the solid titanium to depower it. Without hesitation, Janet turned off her regulator, went subatomic, and took out the missile, falling into the quantum realm and dying a hero. That's where you fuck up. You never go full regulator. (laughs) (laughs) Never go subatomic. We interrupt your regularly scheduled movie to bring you a world-building side mission in MacGuffin hunting. I actually appreciated it. Uh, I really did. Did you? I really, really did. If If you're going to do an exposition dump... Oh, no, I'm trying to move on to the next scene. Oh, dear. Carry on. (laughs) If you need to grind a movie to a halt just to introduce a character that already exists in the universe, 
well, I guess this is the way to do it. Yeah, and don't get one of your big names. Get the guy who needs a job. Uh, Scott has to go to upstate New York to a Stark storage facility to break in and steal a signal decoy prototype that Hank invented in right. his shield days. Something... From an old Stark building. Right. When Scott arrives, it's no longer just a storage facility. It's the new Avengers campus. Yeah, and I like how he's coming down. He says, this isn't a Stark building anymore, you son of a bitch. And they're like, <laughs> it's got the abort, big eye on the top. Abort, And he's like, nah, I'm just going to go in. And nah, I'm good. I'm he, good. I'm sure not one of the main characters Falcon. is going to attack me. The, the thing is, they <laughs> probably, probably didn't budget gotten, for one of the main Avengers. I think they definitely could have gotten one of the main Avengers, but any of the main Avengers would have killed Ant-Man. He could, In a second. He could take on Falcon. Can you imagine that conference room of like, okay, so Ant-Man. Who's he going to fight super fight style? How is this going to work out? Who can he do? Captain America. He's going to destroy him because he could do this all day. Iron Man. <laughs> he's in a suit as well. This is stupid. Yeah. Suit fight. Boring. Uh, he probably could have taken on Black Widow. I don't know, man. Black Widow kicks ass. She does. But this is a time before she was really developed. You're as, right. As a well, character. She was, real horny. she was developed. This is in her horny time. She That's was why. developed. Yeah. As That's a, Steven's personal wig dig. <laughs> Uh, I guess, actually, Paul Rudd and Adam McKay watched um, Winter Soldier, and they were like, dude, let's get Falcon. But I also don't know how much I believe that, because... That who, seems fine. They probably went, who, who's not working right now? Oh, we got him. All right. I we mean, got Anthony Mackie. As we got far him. as Marvel Studios contracts go, I still feel like they could have gotten anybody they wanted. Uh, not wrong. Feige would have been like, no, you're doing this, Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr. would have been like, fine, $15 million. <laughs> right. <laughs> got a spider-man homecoming them yeah. i want to be a percentage of your budget <laughs> for this one scene so scott fights falcon and returns with the MacGuffin to hank turns out that darren cross is in the house he tells hank of the unveiling the next day that he wants hank to attend and after he leaves he calls hope and tells her that he's increasing security adding full body scanners to all entrances and closing off the external vents dude is paranoid as fuck <laughs> This heist just got a little tricky. He also kind of undoes his own plan here, doesn't he? I mean, we'll eventually find out that he knew she was home. So why would yeah. he then go tell her about the up security he's going to add? Well, he wanted her to think that it was only a, a small hurdle, if you will, because he traps Ant-Man. We're going to get there. He traps Ant-Man, so he wanted this whole plan to go through no matter what. Right, right. Because the Ant-Man suit is the only competition that exists to his yellow jacket. So if he's going to be there, it's actually a win-win for him. Yep. I'm sold. You got me. So Scott's like the water main. That's how we get in. Can't put security on the water main, but that means they need to expand the team. That means they're bringing in Luis, Kurt, and Dave. There's not enough Michael Peña in this movie. That's the only thing wrong with this movie in my mind. I feel like it's something they, they fix in the sequel. <laughs> I haven't seen the sequel yet, and now I'm kind of scared too, but <laughs> still... <laughs> No, I don't actually know that there's that much more of him in that one. So it's the night of the heist. Luis infiltrates Pym Tech as a security guard as Kurt hacks into the system to monitor utilities. Luis lowers the water pressure and Scott goes into the sewers, getting into the Pym Tech building with a shitload of ants. It's a lot of ants. There's so many uh, ants. A shitload is actually the right amount, I think, if to call If there was somebody in that bathroom, they'd be like, what the fuck? We didn't exterminate her. That's a there's, shitload there's of ants. ants. Funny enough, Brian, this was my second and probably most loud or loudest rather what the fuck you've never seen rise of skywalker <laughs> uh, i don't know that they do a barrel of monkeys via ants in rise of skywalker well, 
I mean, the emotional yeah, they do. look. The whole movie's the whole movie's barrel monkeys for the most part. Don't get me started, Rise of Skywalker. You got you started. Hank arrives at Pimtech, but he's being followed by Paxton because of the whole lawyer jailbreak business. Dave distracts the cops just long enough for Hank to get into the building. Hope puts the MacGuffin into place, which does a thing, I imagine. And now <laughs> Cross is here, and he brings Hank and Hope into the place where the yellow jacket is. And then Mitchell Carson arrives, because he's in this movie a third time. Sure. Scott breaches the server room and uses some kind of electrical ants to fry the servers because a technology company of this size wouldn't have a remote backup. Right, the of cops, course. The cops are alerted to Kurt and Dave in the van, and while Kurt hurries to deactivate the laser grid over the Yellow Jacket suit, Darren Cross reveals that he's selling the Yellow Jacket suit to Hydra, and then Hank punches him in the face. That was kind of a neat little turn. If I mean, it leads to nothing. Let's face it. It leads to absolutely nothing. I mean, they mentioned the word Hydra. That's all they did. Yeah. It, it does add some stakes and makes me feel like, finally, I care about where this suit does or doesn't go. But what stakes? Because when have we fought Hydra? We've really only fought Hydra in Winter Soldier and in the first Captain America. It feels like this movie is kind of trying to piggyback on Captain America and whatever he's fighting for. So it's kind of an odd thing to even just bring up. Well, I mean, they are kind of setting up the next movie, which is Civil War. They are. Oh, boy. Now you have me thinking about how it sets up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Scott sets explosives above the Yellow Jacket tunnel. The police apprehend Kurt and Dave just as Scott jumps. Kurt deactivates the lasers just in time, but it ends up being a trap anyway. Cross had anticipated the heist and traps Scott in the container. Cross's men pull guns on Hank. Cross takes a gun and pulls it on Hank. Hope steals a gun and pulls it on Cross. Scott uses one of the unbiggening discs to break out of the tubey thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hank gets shot in the shoulder, Cross takes off with the yellow jacket suit, and Carson takes off with the formula. Right. This is like a Mexican standoff, it's, if you will, because of the of the, the smallness and the bigness, and it's a mess. It's, it's all a mess. It's all over the place. But it works. It does. Peyton Reed is, I think, a phenomenal director because this is a very complicated scene that's happening here. Yeah. And it's very complicated because you have a man of normal proportion and then a man of very small proportion. You're able to track what's going on here. It's really well done, yeah. the way that it's all set yeah, up it, and told. It's not like confused. You always know what's happening. Ant-Man goes after Cross. Hank reveals his plan to escape. His little tank keychain isn't a keychain at all. It's a tank. How cool is that? Very cool, but this is my problem. Go ahead. It's pretty much stated in this movie that when Paul Rudd shrinks down to normal size, he still has the same density, which is why he can hurt people the way he would as an, at a normal size. So you're saying the tank should have been the same weight. I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying that Mikey Duggs is walking around with a full weight tank in his pocket this whole movie. Well, he did his squats that day <laughs> and for the whole life. And that's, that's uh, yeah, uh, you're not wrong. When the, tank, <laughs> when the tank emerges from that building, though, it is so fucking cool. It's very Goldeneye. They, but um, you don't know what I'm talking about. That's true. I don't. Wait, the video game? Yep. That's the one. Proximity Mines everywhere. I've, pl I've played Odd the game. job. Don't be him. Don't be him. That's cheating. You really don't like the miniature tank, do you? Oh, no. I'm fine with it. I think it's really cool. But it's it's your issue. I, I think it, it breaks some of the rules for sure. So Cross gets to the helicopter on the roof, but Ant-Man makes it there in time too. Cross shoots at him as the Pym Tech building implodes into nothing. Naturally, Cross puts on the yellow jacket suit and the two fight. Because it's a Marvel intro story, you have to have the tiny guy fight the tiny guy. 
just like you have the iron guy fight the iron guy and you know let's talk about one of the best fight scenes in the marvel cinematic universe are we talking about the inside the briefcase siri mishearing talking about this entire (laughs) set of things that are about to happen because i think there's three different set pieces that happen within this fight scene yeah we have the helicopter fight where there's big fighting and little fighting oh that might be four because then they go into the they fall into the briefcase and the briefcase falls out of the sky and these guys are now fighting in a more or less zero gravity briefcase that's falling from the sky but the stuff in the briefcase is now part of the environment right which is incredible like the giant iphone that is playing the cure so good (laughs) exactly disintegrate by the cure Right. Which is extremely heavy handed, but that's fine. Because Darren Cross said, I'm going to disintegrate you, which is natural, natural dialogue. Exactly. A very natural dialogue. <laughs> but then you have the poolside fight where he ends up in the bug zapper, which right. is kind of neat. Your backyard barbecue poolside fight, which Cross ends up in the bug zapper, but alive. And Scott is tased and arrested again because these are super cops who can follow falling objects from helicopters. Of course. Bonnie, uh, Bobby Cannavale, he, that's what he does. Even though they he were following the van that the other guys were in. These are the worst cops in the world because they keep arresting people, but then something else happens and they just let these guys and go. And they just let them arresting go. At the yeah. time. That's the bad part of the movie, for sure. They're like, but then, like wait, after, leave them yeah. alone. We got to go take care of this instead. It, exactly. But then they arrest Paul Rudd, and then in the back of the cab, they find out that at Bobby Cannavale's house where Cassie is, that's where there's an issue now. Right. The cop's been called. That's where and they Cross go there shows and, up, and he's holding Cassie hostage. Right. And Ant-Man's going to show up in there as well. He breaks out of the back of this this police cruiser. And this might be my favorite fight in Marvel to this point. It's, it's so really cool. Good because it's really, really good. It's so clever because they do it on a model train set. Yeah. It's but as miniatures. It is and Thomas the tank Thomas engine, man. The tank Who knew he could engine. act like that? Who knew he had those chops? Yo, interesting thing about the Thomas the Tank Engine thing. The Thomas the Tank Engine people have very certain stipulations when it comes to showing the character. A- Alec Baldwin dictates them, and George Carlin used to dictate them when he used to do the narration for it, of course. Uh, yeah. We all know this. Yeah, yeah. These are the these are the rules of Thomas. Thomas couldn't be depicted as doing anything evil. Two he has to remain neutral. And three, no character can be tied to the train track that Thomas is on. <laughs> All right. And those are the three uh, they rules of Thomas the Tank Engine. That seems easy enough to get Thomas the Tank Engine into any movie you want. <laughs> as long as somebody's If you just make him track, be a goddamn train, that's it. Yeah. But basically, the fight results in a giant Thomas the Tank Engine and a giant ant and eventually culminates in Scott going subatomic to deactivate the Yellow Jacket armor and save Cassie. Right, we get a whole mind fuck because now he's all subatomic and he's seeing all this shit. Right, and he's it shrinking looks visually incredible, further and further into oblivion, and it seems all hope is lost. But he has one of those blue gigantic discs, which he he places where the regulator is supposed to be, and he grows himself back up into the real world, escaping the quantum realm. Hey, he did it. We did it. It seems easy enough to get out of the quantum realm if you have the right tech that Hank Pym invented. Yeah. Sorry, Miss Miss Van Dyne. You you got boned. Whoopsie. Uh Scott can't remember any of the details of the quantum realm. But Do you believe that? Uh I do believe that he's not sure how he got out because time gets all fucky in there and Okay. Um but he still inspires <laughs> it gets all fucky in there. <laughs> he inspires hope in Hank that he can still go and find Janet somehow. It had like a very like interstellar vibe, like when Matthew McConaughey's uh and I don't know if either of you have seen this when he's like 
in the library, like in the index, like watching all the events of his life like occur, but at the same time. Interstellar is a weird movie to me because I saw it and I I literally don't remember a second of it. I never saw it. Oh, exactly. See, it, it's one of those scene. things that never stuck with me. So I'm gonna I'm so gonna take Steven at his word on this one. I will too. I believe you, and I sort of agree. I remember him diving between something in order to get to somewhere. I, I really don't remember that movie at all. It's it's similar in like time space getting fucky and being in a different dimension kind of vibe. It's like twins, like the other Christopher Nolan with movie with twins right kind of sort of yeah relativity that's right (laughs) bouncing the ball and catching it and the bales and the and the wolverines sure not entirely sure i know what you're talking about it's the prestige Prestige. it's a great movie oh it's great right 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 i forgot all about the illusionist exactly (laughs) with the the illusionist starring ziggy stardust as nikola tesla it's uh ed norton as as hugh jackman as whoever who he played in that movie (laughs) exactly they incepted the actors into that movie. It's very complicated. Christopher Nolan is something about very twins deep. in a tree. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I honestly. Why the fuck would you let two magic movies come out at the same time? I honestly can't tell you which movie is which. I have no idea anymore. Paxton tells Scott that he covered for him at the precinct at the awkward family dinner, and then Scott has to leave because he's got a message from Luis, who tells him. That he heard from Ignacio, who heard from this crazy, stupid, fine writer chick, that heard from a badass Avenger dude that he's looking for him. Stanley is a bartender who says, crazy, stupid, fine. What do we think of this Stanley? This Stanley, snapped or not snapped? Steven, go ahead. Um, I I don't think he gets snapped. and and Well, re- I think he is extremely snapped. I think this man is dust. I don't think he is because he says, crazy, stupid, fine. And that makes me like this no, Stan I- a lot. He does. He doesn't say it. He says it. Michael Pena says it. Yeah, and they just loop these words in there. Michael Pena says he says it, which is good enough for me. This is a bad cameo. I think they should have had Stanley as the black guy in the the car when Ant Man first lands on the car. I think that would have been the right spot for it. Well, I believe that is the first person ever played Ant Man. Really? I think he was. He played Ant Man in like a SNL sketch. I think that's gonna do it for sure. That's how you get famous. Yeah, that was Garrett Morris, who played Ant-Man in a random sketch on SNL back in like the 70s. 79, I think it was. So that was also a cameo. Yeah, one that clearly only Google knows. Uh, I'm curious what Edgar Wright's originally written Stanley cameo would have been if there was one. We'll probably get there. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, because I do know that the, the Louise scenes were added by Adam McKay and Paul Rudd. They're very, very good. And I'm very happy... Adam McKay and Paul Rudd added those. Then we have a mid-credits scene where Hank shows Hope the wasp suit. And she's like, it's about damn time. There's a post-credits scene, too, where Cap and Falcon are doing something with Bucky, and they can't go to Tony. And Cap says they're on their own, and then Falcon's like, wait, I know a guy. Ant-Man will return, yada, yada, oh, yada. That's the movie. Oh, yeah. That's Ant-Man from 2015, directed by the Peyton Reed. This movie's fucking terrific. It's so much fun. I don't care fun. what Steven says. This movie's great. This is so much fun. It's an hour, 58 minutes worth of fun. Can you just have fun for a fucking second, Steven? Uh, I tried to once upon a time, and it was called X-Men, and that was ruined for me. So ever since then, fun has just <laughs> well, seemed X-Men wasn't bland fun. and malaise. X-Men took <laughs> I had fun with so it, goddammit. I had fun. If Ant-Man took the tone of those X-Men movies and took itself that seriously, I would agree with you. I'd say this is garbage. But you're basing that off of the cast thing. 
well, then they should have casted X-Men better. <laughs> You're not wrong. They sh- no, it's not even the casting. It's the writing of that thing because Storm has powers that she forgets to use all the time. Storm's a shitty character. I'll be the first one to give you that. <laughs> we don't have to rip on X-Men again. We've done it a lot. We've done it plenty. But Ant-Man is so much fun. It's a heist movie. And I love heist movies. That's all it is. Super- I thought it was a superhero movie. It's a, it superhero, is a superhero heist movie. Different things. Oh, what do you think a romantic course. comedy is? Is it a, rom- a romance movie or a comedy movie? It's both. Paul Rudd, crap bag himself, he shows up here and is a hell of a job as a Marvel superhero. He saves the day. I still cannot believe Paul Rudd is a superhero. <laughs> it does, he, the last time we saw him, he was pretty much talking about different types of chairs in a hotel room. He knocked up. What is he doing here? He's he's expanding. I mean, before he was doing the comedy roles, he was mostly just doing uh, romance movies. So teen romance movies. Well, he's ageless. That's why he can get away with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, he can just do whatever the hell he wants. He's Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd owns the world. There was an interview that uh, Michael Douglas and Paul Rudd did together, where Michael Douglas actually joked that Paul Rudd is older than him. <laughs> I like that. All right, so Stephen, uh, I mean, I put my hat in the corner of I love this movie. Brian, I think, I don't know if you love this movie, but you definitely enjoy this movie. I enjoy the fuck out of this movie. I don't know if I love it. So I want to know, Stephen, I'm sorry, bud, you're going to be on the defensive for a hot second, but uh, why? Why don't you Why don't you enjoy this thing? I'm curious. There's a lot of people who don't enjoy this for what it's worth, so you're not wrong in the way you think. Here, here's the thing, Dave, and I, yep. middle of this movie, I already knew how the rest of this night was going to go for me, because as soon as I deemed a movie something I don't like... I already know you two probably are all about it, and I'm going to have to defend myself and, and do so poorly on this show. This isn't my first rodeo, as they say. Or your or your second rodeo, or your third rodeo. Nope, it's actually my fourth. <laughs> it's a lot of rodeo. Orgasmo was a layup for you, for what it's worth. Orgasmo was real easy for you. <laughs> or, orgasmo was the good old days, as we'll always think of that now going forward. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. I'm able to suspend almost everything and let my eyes just enjoy the movie that it was. And I think that's what I did. And I think at that level, I really enjoyed it, man. When I start thinking about it as like a story and there being plot devices and setups and, you know, looking ahead and looking back and callbacks, the movie makes up its own rules as it goes along. You know, the, you know, there's the deus ex antina that's kind of always happening. You know, the ants are always there to kind of be the, yeah, like, we, get, we, we didn't talk about Anthony. We should talk about Anthony. We, we need to talk about Anthony because he, you know, it's the movie. The movie makes and breaks a lot of its own rules for the convenience of the plot. And I'm fine with that. I, I'm a big X-Man fan. You know, there's a, there's, a <laughs> mu- <laughs> there's there's a mutant to fit every puzzle piece, you know, hole that you have in the story. Um, right. They can just make their own at a point and they do an X3. They really do. <laughs> they definitely do. They definitely do. Um, so I, I, I loved the movie visually. And I think for me, first and foremost, like I'm a visual watcher of a movie. Um, and then That's I a kinda, good way to watch a movie. It, it definitely. If you're an audible watcher of a movie, you got other things going on. Yeah. You end up being our guest on Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, the story starts to fall apart, but you know, when you realize that this is one of 22, you know, you, you got to kind of forgive it a little bit for plot holes. So I really want to be against it just for the sake of being against you guys. But, you know, visually, I really did enjoy it. And it's hard, it's hard to step away from that, despite other issues that the movie has. I don't disagree with you because I, I think this movie does have a lot of issues. It's one of those weird movies that covers its own tracks in a lot of ways. 
where it almost separates itself entirely from the bigger picture. And I think it separates itself in a really nice way because it brings Falcon in of all characters. Yeah. It's like, who don't we give a shit about in the MCU? Falcon, bring him in. We've only seen him once before. That's fine. <laughs> but I do think it, this movie does cover its own tracks in order to push something else along later on. I don't, I'm not going to say it does Iron Man 2 level of world building. Oh, definitely not. But this thing really is a massive bridge when it all played out. Yes, and a lot of that is Feige and Peyton Reed because the original script written by Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish was very much a standalone movie that had no connectivity to the rest of the universe at all. And I think that's one of the reasons why Edgar Wright ended up leaving the project was because Feige was like, you need to connect it somehow. You need to introduce the quantum realm. You need to talk about Janet Van Dyne. We need to set this stuff up. And he was like, "Uh, I don't think you want an Edgar Wright movie then. Yeah, I think Edgar Wright would almost be distracting because he's a very specific type of director. Yes, I still feel like this movie had a lot of pieces of him in it, for sure. It had a ton. But I also think it has almost like a James Gunn sensibility that Peyton Reed brought to this thing of, let's just have fun with this and make it work. This movie, I don't so much... I mean, Steven's been questioning if this is a superhero movie. It is. It's got a suit. The suit does stuff. He is super. He saves a day. Fine. That's really it. Other than that, this movie's a comedy. It's a comedy heist. It's a comedy heist. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, it's not entirely a comedy. There are a lot of funny bits, more than you get in most Marvel movies. Um, But it still has its serious moments. It has its drama. So I don't want to call it just a comedy. But Right. But also, this phase of the MCU is... The beginning of this phase is very weird in the way that it operates. Because... It operates kind of outside of the last phase entirely, where everything that we are, are we, we're phase three at this point, right? No, phase three starts with the next movie. Okay. Well, then this weirdly ends phase two, doesn't it? Yeah. So when you mention the quantum realm and you mention the old web slinger herself, you set up the next phase. And I feel like this one closes out on almost a high note and things are about to get really fucking bleak. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So I do think that this movie played its role really nicely to where it needed to go. But it's a weird one to end the phase on. It's a lot like a Spider-Man Homecoming. Or no, Spider-Man Far From Home, I'm sorry. Where I feel like this wasn't meant to be the end of the phase. Um, Just like Spider-Man Far From Home wasn't meant to be the end of the phase. It was meant to be the beginning of a new phase. Yeah, well, for a, well, this movie kept getting pushed around because, like I said, Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish were working on this movie since... Like 2003, I think. So before the MCU even started, they had an initial script of this movie done. Of all characters they picked, it was Ant-Man. Well, I mean, it was probably one of the ones that the rights were there. So Fair enough. Uh, and he's an original Avenger. So if you're going to set it up, set it up. In fact, Edgar Wright is the reason that Ant-Man and the Wasp did not show up in Avengers. Because he said, please don't use the characters until I introduce them in the movie. And Feige was like, that's fine. We'll do, We'll wait. And uh, it's also the reason why Hank Pym was not the creator of Ultron in the MCU. So so Edgar Wright still had his fingerprints on the MCU, even though he didn't end up directing the movie. He still wrote the bones of this story, which was then rewritten like five times. Sure. But it's a weird movie when you think about it. it I mean, I really enjoy this movie, but it is weird when you look at it in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you. That makes me feel a lot better. They did. They moved it around a lot, though, is what I was saying. And um at what I it was I, at one point it was supposed to be the first movie of Phase Three, and then Feige was like, 
No, it's the last movie of Phase Two, and I think it's because they have. So he did these... exactly what Spider Man Far From Home did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they they add in these light movies as like a decompression from the last few because because Winter Soldier and and Age of Ultron were also pretty heavy movies, so they wanted something that was a light that was enjoyable, so they could move on to something after that. But there's still references to the things that happened in the previous movies, like oh, they dropped the whole city or blah blah blah. I know, but do you, I mean, maybe you guys do, but does the average watcher, the everyday American, think of, you know, do they go see these movies and then think of them, like, as a whole, like, the entire movie? You know what I mean? Like, the entire, like, saga? Like, this was kind of dark and the last ones were too, or this was kind of light. I needed that after the last three. I mean, there's huge gaps of times between these movies. Uh, I would is say there, though? that there's two different ways of watching these movies, because there is the theatrical release order of these movies. Yeah. But there's also the chronological release of these movies. You can watch it either way and still get something out of it and tell a different story, if you will. Yeah. It's all going to end up in the same place eventually with Infinity War and Endgame. But there's also people who it. are just watching them as individual movies, is what Steven's saying. Exactly. I and I think that, yeah, but I think that this is one of those that could stand alone and kind of do its own weird thing. And I think the only other movie that could really do it is going to be Doctor Strange when we get there. It's going to stand alone, and it could do its weird thing that it's going to do. God, I love Doctor uh, Strange I so I think much. Black Panther also does a, an okay job of standing alone, and I think Captain Marvel does a really good job of standing alone. I cannot wait to see Black Panther not on an airplane. <laughs> I think there's still examples of movies coming that, that stand on their own okay, but this one for sure is is one of the, the last that really does it well. This is the first, like, weird one if you will because at, to this point we've seen a captain america who everyone knows iron man who everyone knows we've seen the avengers get all together we've seen a hulk who everyone knows but unfortunately that movie was uh, a I mean, fucking train wreck not everybody knew who iron man was though before that movie came out he was a very obscure character before all this happened i wouldn't say it's very obscure i would say he had the same number of tv shows that ant-man had had at that point that's fair <laughs> that's very fair but you don't have a lot of originals to this point, because what movie is this within the MCU? Is this This is number 13? 11. Okay. Maybe 12. So we've gone some way to this point, and now we have a world that's built, and we have these characters that are established. Right, which is the but problem now that Edgar Wright ran into. Right, and now we're seeing new things for the... I'm not going to say for the first time, because Guardians of the Galaxy happened. And Guardians of the Galaxy, we've talked about how that should not have worked, and it worked out beautifully. But now we're introducing individual characters and plugging them in to perform a greater role later on. Yeah. And to me, that's fascinating. I think that's what world building is. It's not telling a bigger story. It's having the same through line carry on while having these little offshoots of adventure. Okay. I like how you can have a through line and you can still tell an individual story. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's well, a nice feeling. I feel like the through line in this movie was very much added as an afterthought. I think the best MCU movies are added as an afterthought. No, I'm not saying the movie itself is an afterthought. I'm saying that the connectivity to the rest of the stuff is an afterthought. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I think that those are some of the best MCU movies, though. Like, they have to tell their own story. Absolutely. This movie really is fascinating when you think about it. Yeah. And I mean, it, it cost $130 million to make, and it made $519 million worldwide. That's so much which money. Which, to me, is not a lot of money for an MCU movie. But on that budget, it's still, you're doing... Just it's fine. a hit. Don't get me wrong, it's a hit, but I feel like when you look at the numbers now, especially, that's not going to yeah, land. Well, that's this the is issue five that years ago. It is five years ago, but this is also after the Avengers did its thing and 
absolutely destroyed a, a lot of box office records. Yeah, but how did Age of Age Ultron, of Ultron came around? Ultron still made a ton of money. Avengers Age of Ultron made a Billy, a Billy four, if you will. Okay. And that's the movie before this one, right? Yeah. This thing's almost a billion dollar drop off in terms of box office growth. Yeah, but it's also that's huge. it's fighting a battle that they even in the trailers for this movie, they made fun of the name Ant-Man, which it didn't make it into the movie, but they were like even in the trailer, Paul Rudd says, is it too late to change the name? They're fighting an uphill battle because it is a silly premise for a superhero. Absolutely. Even Paul is. Rudd's nine-year-old son was like, oh, can't wait to see how stupid that'll be. So you're going to see some drop-off with this versus, you know, the movie event of the year that just came out, what, a few months before this one? Right. Uh, do you think that this movie, A, holds up, B, pays off? Yes and yes. All right. I think it holds up fair. very well, and the payoff on this one is bigger than most. Do you think the payoff happens instantly while you're watching it, or do you think the payoff happens in the next movie? The payoff is about 10 movies after this in Endgame. And, yeah, I agreed. <laughs> agreed. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> Let me ask you boys a question. Ask away. Rotten Tomatoes, 1 to 100. Where do you think this is going to land? Steven, go first. 72. I was going to say around 80. I'm going to say around 83%, mostly because I'm reading it. 83% hey. is where it lands critically. Uh, it's 86% audience score. Roger Ebert did not see this movie, as we all know. He he because went down on Catherine Zeta-Jones yeah, and died from he it. He never went down on Catherine Zeta-Jones. He never went down on her. He was uh, faithful to his wife through and through. All right, so well, then he got him. cancer good from Roger. her. We don't know where he got his cancer from. It was not from cunnilingus. <laughs> we know that. Do we know I heard that? it was from a bat. It was... <laughs> That's too real <laughs> right now <laughs> with everything that's going on. There are a lot of people who saw this movie. Unfortunately, they reside on Amazon.com. Oh, that monster of a website. Right. And they've given this movie a 4.6 out of 5, which is really, really high, high out score. of 8,400 reviews. Wow. 75% of them are five star, which seems low. 2% of them are one star, which also, which also seems, seems low. low. Let me hit you up with some of these one-star reviews from Amazon.com. From February 14th, 2020. Title, Extremely Dull. Review, I made several attempts to watch this, but I can never get through it. I found that watching this movie is somewhat of an ordeal. That sounds like somebody who needs a, a significant person. other. <laughs> this movie is somewhat of an ordeal. No, but, well, I, the reason I say that is because this review was written on Valentine's Day. <laughs> You're not oh, wrong. <laughs> Oh, God, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and review Ant-Man. <clears throat> Happy Valentine's Day to me. <laughs> How was your Valentine's Day? Title, extremely dull. Extremely dull. It was a whole ordeal. <laughs> I didn't even put that together. That or or they were just coming off of a great Valentine's date. And, you know, by comparison, just a movie is kind of a bummer, you know? They had just eaten out Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> and they said, this movie extremely dull there was still uh, a rubber fist hanging out of their ass and they're like you know what comparatively <laughs> this movie isn't it man orgasmo never left you that's a good thing and i appreciate I, that i put orgasmo in me and it's never come out since <laughs> it's never it doesn't have to you could take steven out of orgasmo but you can't take orgasmo out of steven now you're a man <laughs> <laughs> so good go watch orgasmo everyone it's terrific from august 28th 2018 title don't bother 
Review. My kids love all movies, and they hated this one. It was so stupid. Don't even bother. Wow. Do you know any kid who loves all movies? No. I don't know any kid who's seen all movies. No. But then my kid loves all movies. They hated this one. What does that even mean? My kids are very big Michael Douglas fans, and they didn't think this held up to his prior work. That's right. In Greed, he crushed it. <laughs> That's him, right? I can use him and Martin Sheen all the he time. He was very good in Basic Instinct. You wouldn't be wrong. My kids didn't like him in this. <laughs> I heard he got cancer from Sharon Stone. <laughs> That's not how it worked. That's how he got the cancer. <laughs> Michael Douglas just thinks cancer comes from all vaginas. That's exactly it. It, it. Michael Douglas really just had bad clam one day. That was all it was. Gotta be careful with that seafood. <laughs> From October 14th, 2017. If I can give this a zero star, I would. And this is from someone whose favorite movie is Winter Soldier and loves X-Men. Well, that explains a lot. Hey. People who love X-Men hate <laughs> this movie. We've learned that. Also, if, if I can give this a zero star, I would. Just don't fucking review it. And that's basically a zero. Just, you know, get off of this site and go live your life. But also, X-Men? Yeah, we should question your, All I right. guess, why you exist. Whoa. You were just so aggressive tonight. Yeah, I'm, you really very is. punchy. This, it's the, the quarantine very punchy. is just really kind of keeping all it's the getting hate in one all. small spot. And it's seemingly <laughs> directed Steven, at me. Steven-sized spot. That's really what it is. It's a very small spot. Yeah, I'm very punchy. I agree. Um, I, I'm fine with your favorite movie being Winter Soldier. But when you say you love X-Men, it's going to make me discount everything you say from for anything. Just anything at all. Let's be really clear. We're talking about this Amazon reviewer, yes? <laughs> we sure are. Okay, because I, I fucking hated the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm torn on it, tell you the truth. Yeah, I know. Uh, Dave didn't really like it that much either. I think it's a pretty good yeah, movie. Nah, but it didn't. I think it the has... The tone of it is just so off. It has its issues in that it it's less of a superhero movie and more of just like a... It's basically a Jason Bourne movie. And directed by M. Night Shyamalan because of all the twists. It's just super twisty. It's super twisty. People should stay off of Amazon.com if you don't have anything to contribute to the world. Or just don't go on Amazon.com to review movies. Just keep them yourself well, it's, and it's enjoy a, your life. It's a cunty thing, isn't it, to go on Amazon <laughs> and, and say, this is what I think about this thing in case you were wondering. Uh, yes, and frankly, we make our living off of that cunty thing. So, yes, this is all fine. From December 26, 2015. Title, One Star. Review, Disc Did Not Work. Shows a Red Skull. Well, that's the wrong movie. It's possibly the wrong movie, or Hydra is all up in our DVDs. <laughs> I'm so curious as to what happened with this DVD. Strike one Blu-ray down and two more take its place. From December 8th, 2015. Reminded me of another version of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Movie made no sense at all. Ants produce a queen, not take one on. Okay, now I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of this movie. I, I've been very vocal about that. But just because there's a giant ant in it doesn't mean it's like an, that's you can't pick one single thing and equate one movie to a, a drastically different movie off of that one thing. Again, there's it's a giant a, ant. And honey, I shrunk the kids. That, that's well, good that's, enough, right? That's what they're doing. That's what that's what I'm saying. Again, it's it's just yeah. it's a super cunty thing to go online and review a movie. <laughs> it really also, is. Also, think about it. I would love a movie where Paul Rudd played an ant queen. How great would that be? Well, what Bugs more Life could too. you want we could from still a do movie? It. <laughs> It'll be like, 
The birdcage meets a bug's life, too. Yes, yes. Brilliant. Such meets an, a, I a, Love a, You, Man. Adorably sassy movie. Yeah. I didn't know I needed that until now. <laughs> and my life is now worth living through this quarantine. So we're good now. Glad I could do that for you. <laughs> From April 17th, 2016. So stupid, this could never happen in real life. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> Wait, are you sure? You mean there's not going to be a man who gets all big and all small at will? I guess no? the science is sound, that there is space between atoms that can be manipulated. We just don't have the technology to do it yet. I wish that Amazon would give you the median age of the reviewers. Oh, that's good. You right. know Jeff Bezos has that at his house. Oh, of that's course. That's his spank bag. Oh, he definitely has the information. That's absolutely information they have. I would love to know the median age of some of these commenters because sometimes I feel like, oh, these are really old people. And sometimes I feel like these are really young kids. And then there's comments like that. I have no fucking idea where to go with it. <laughs> yeah, but for what it's worth, a lot of these comments that I had to sift through, there was like 165 negative reviews. And most of them are, this movie sucks. This movie's stupid. This movie sucks. And that's just trolling for the sake of trolling. That's nothing. Yeah, that's not a real review. That's That's just you trying to get your Amazon cred. That's what everyone's after is their Amazon credit. Everybody knows it. <laughs> oh, is that God. a thing? Is Amazon clout a thing out there? I don't think so. Maybe. Like I a, don't either. An influencer of Amazon? <laughs> I've done 40,000 Amazon reviews. Oh, that's like boy. The, that's like you think in yours will we'll commend like the equivalent of the Wikipedia guy who's done, what is it, like some 20,000 uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Wikipedia reviews or, or Wikipedia articles? You guys know what I'm talking this about guy, or no? He's got to be real smart, right? At that point, if he's had to sift through all that information, he had to ab- absorb some of it, right? I just think he's good at sourcing stuff. Yeah. That's he's like, fair. I found That's this article, I did so well. I copied and pasted it into Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get so much fucking poon because of this, because of my copy and pasting. <laughs> I'm gonna and I hope I get cancer in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. From November 26th, 2015. Well, I'm pretty stupid for buying it. <laughs> Typical star cast to bring you in. I just fueled Scientology by putting money in Michael Pena's pocket. I'm an idiot. Thank you. There's like four different things happening in that one what sentence. What are you actually <laughs> upset about here? I'm not sure. Pick a thing and run with it, but don't give me that much. You're right. It's not like I, I mean, I'm surprised he didn't say like, I saw Mission Impossible, Rogue, whatever it was, and I put money in Scientology's Tom Cruise hole or whatever it was. Careful. <laughs> Be very careful. <laughs> with what? The, the Tom Cruise hole? No. With do Scientology. Whatever, do whatever you want with the Tom Cruise hole. Just be careful with Scientology. Oh, they're going to throw me in a volcano and then pray to me or whatever happens there. I don't know how it works. To be fair, Tom Cruise also wants you to do whatever you want with his Tom Cruise hole. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> From October 25th, 2015. Ant-Man? Really? Marvel Comics is really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Why not Bugman or Man-Man <laughs> or Caterpillar-Man? Cicada-Man? Empty toilet paper old man. That hits too close to He home. said Enough man. is enough, Marvel! Don't even try to come up with any more superhero franchises because the well is run drier than dry. Eh, this dude's been around since the 60s. What are you mad about? This one elicited a lot of comments. <laughs> I imagine it did. That's a rarity for a review. I it's hope rare that there are, are more man. than one comment. So, <laughs> I really want to know more uh, about Man Man. <laughs> man Man. The first one is, 
I would totally pay to watch a movie called Empty Toilet Paper Roll, man. <laughs> Don't try and tell me you wouldn't. That's how we're going to start this. It's a good start. We're, we're going down a slippery slope. It would be about what's happening right now. Right. And this guy's name is Sloppy D for what it's nice. worth. So his, uh, the rest of his comment is, I've come up with a few of my own, but just need to find the right story. Like he's writing for fucking Marvel here. He says, Mango Man wields vitamin C as a weapon. Could fight alongside Manana. Or <laughs> harnesses the power of potassium. You have to have Manana. Or... My top potential good guy, bad guy battle, the great Watt, he shoots electricity, versus the gray twat, use your imagination, as he says. That's how you get cancer. <laughs> Is this Feige himself wrong. responding to a comment? <laughs> Might as well be. That's right. The, gra- the great twat is, is probably just like a Deadpool name that didn't get used. Um, for the most or part. did. <laughs> with, the, with the cancer. Uh, yeah, that, that guy didn't, he doesn't understand what stupidity is. And that's the problem. Uh, the other reviews that were listed here to fight back against this man who doesn't get it. Uh, one review, one comment I should say is you are obviously not a true Marvel fan. Another is I'm 72 and was reading Ant-Man as a child. So that's how long he's been around. And the last one is you do know that Ant-Man was one of the original Avengers, right? So it seems to be that a lot of people don't realize that Ant-Man has been around for for fucking ever. Yeah, for sure. It's just some good old-fashioned nerd gatekeeping. Do we think that anytime ever someone comments on a Reddit post, a YouTube post, uh, an Amazon review, that when they say their age, it's factual? Because that's almost always the red herring for me. Like, oh, you're about to lie. Well, that's why ASL was such an important thing. And I feel like it's gone out the window for a lot of reasons, but <laughs> we should be asking ASL more often. You can learn a lot about uh, a person Dave, why from don't you your come ASL. have a seat right over here? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I'm the married one of this group doesn't understand how any of this works anymore. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> this guy still using AIM. There's plenty of reasons to advise against that, and I'm not going to give you any of them. The last review I have is from December 22nd, 2018. Title, Hilarious and Fun. Review. Had to have it in my collection. <laughs> the main reason for the star subtraction is for Amazon. Oh. oh, oh, holy shit. What? Nope. They said Amazon the movie. Just wish that Amazon. There it is. I was going right. to say. I was wondering where the typo was. Yeah, that fucker's back. I hate this I guy. Let's love this stuff. guy so much. No, no, let's do some super All stuff. All right, fine. We'll just skip right over Amazon guy, even though he's the best thing on Amazon. He's not the best thing. He is the fucking skid mark on the underpants He's of the Amazon. hero we need but not the one we deserve which still makes no sense thank you or or maybe the opposite of that i'm not sure maybe he's the hero we deserve but not the one we need <laughs> that actually checks out you might be right that makes more sense uh, before we get into the super stuff this is an actual imdb trivia fact i'm so excited uh, we know that the people on imdb can submit whatever the fuck they want because i did it last week uh but here we go when Luis is posing as a guard, he whistles, It's a small world. Not only is Ant-Man small, which makes the song appropriate, but the song is originally from a ride at Disneyland, which, like Marvel Studios, is owned by the Walt Disney Company. Ah, oh, I didn't put that together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Disney owned Disney. Disney owns That's Disney. That's so clever. And that is your actual How about IMDb that? trivia fact. The more you know. So for the Super Stuff score... For Ant-Man, let's start off with story and motivation. It's a heist. It's a heist. Whose motivation is a real question. I would have... Because you have 
Pim's motivation is to steal this tech to save the world. Then you also have Scott Lang's, Paul Rudd's motivation. Which is to see his daughter. To see his daughter, to become a relevant member of society again, if yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to become the person his daughter already thinks he is. Right. But but all that is just him being a pawn in Pim's bigger game to get back his tech. But is it a pawn to recognize that you're a pawn? I'm not talking about Mongo Blazing Saddles style of Mongo's just a <laughs> pawn in the game of life. He understands that he is sort of expendable. Yeah. In, in life. Fact, and that's he's why he picks it up. And I think right. that is very important where yeah, he understands his own skill set that he has to in order that he's the one who's chosen because he is capable of stealing the yellow jacket suit and the cross technology. He's very good at burglaring. Exactly. Burgling? That, that that actually brings up that brings up a question. Much like most master's degrees, is his master's degree necessary? Does him being a master in electrical engineering have anything to do with what he does in the movie? I mean, he does. No, he the only does... master's degrees that matter are are be a doctor, so you can work on the the body, make the body all good again. And fuck if I know after that. I mean, he does tinker you know with the suit a quite a bit. That's not even a master's degree. That's a doctorate. Man, these these drinks are going to my head. It's in the fucking word, Dave. God damn it. <laughs> he tinkers with the suit. Okay, that's fair. No, that's fair. He 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 regulates. That's fair. <laughs> he regulates the regulator. Well, actually, he that's the one thing he doesn't Who touch. watches the Watchmen? He also he hacks that uh kitchen timer to be able to deactivate a alarm. So, you know. Wait, wait so the regulator's in the helmet, right? No, no it's, in, it's the in the belt. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so Oh, so when he sets it to Wombo or whatever, that is in the belt. That's that's the regulator. <laughs> right. Okay. He, exactly. He literally does set it to Wombo at the end of the movie. <laughs> that's incredible. I wish I thought of that sooner, honestly. I, I might have had a completely different opinion about the whole movie if I was thinking of Patrick Starr at least three quarters of the way in. Better movie. Maybe maybe he's the hero we needed and that we, we just don't deserve him still. Yeah, that's that's the hero I want. Who do we deserve at this point? <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Turns out Paul Rudd. Sorry, motivation. <laughs> uh, I'll go. Uh, I'll fight for a point seven five. I don't think you need to fight for a point seven five. I don't know. Steven's a part of this thing. What do you think, Steven? I honestly think they both have really clear, strong motivations, and I think the story has a very linear path to express those. I think it's a one, guys. Done. Sold. He's our all guest. Right. You know what? Be our guest. Be our Fine. guest. Give a I one will not for fight all the rest. For the point seven five. <laughs> one. Terrific. I was so worried. I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt and name things that are going to make you happy, but if you're going to do ones, man, you got it. All day. <laughs> Dave, that's my secret. I'm never happy. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, sad oh, Hulk. He's like Terrence he's Sad Howard. Hulk. <laughs> well, hero? Is that what you hero. said? Hero. Seventy-three episodes. I don't know the order still. He's an ant man. He's an ant man. He steals. He steals. Uh, he doesn't steal the suit at all. Uh, think about he's, it. He ends up. He's allowed to steal a suit. He goes subatomic. It's very important. It's very important that he he knows the result of that, too. He just does it to save his daughter. Right. It's a very heroic act. I think it is. Very heroic. I'm going to go one for it. He is also an ex-con, but his his crime- We've seen ex-cons before. His crime was one of- is kind of Robin Hood-esque. He's just a- exactly. He's a a techie Robin Hood. 
My stapler. Someone took my stapler. It's a red swing line. It's a stapler. If I may, they move my desk one more time, I'm going to burn down the building. <laughs> so are we thinking a one for Hero? I'm I'm kind of leaning one here. Now, this is where I'll fight for a .75 because he literally says I'm expendable. And the average parkour enthusiast could put on the suit and do what he does. But do they have... I don't think they could because he's very sneaky and he does have a very good idea of how to burn. And he's got a master's degree. He does have a master's degree, which is very important. It's which not. we just, just decided is important. Yeah. It's not no, important it's at all. Why but he, he also... With the suit. I don't give a shit about the suit. I care about his abilities because even when he steals the suit, he has to come up with this whole fingerprint scan type thing. Yep. So it's one of those things of his crime life abilities meeting up with his now I have a suit ability. He had to be a very it works good out really well. first. While I don't think you can extrapolate the suit from the man, I mean, you can't have Iron Man without Iron Man. I completely agree, I agree with you a billion times over, but I also hate Iron Man. So that's, I mean, I'll still go one for Ant-Man, Iron Man. Fuck him. I'll concede. <laughs> you hate Iron Man so much. He's not great. Villains. Darren Cross. Darren Cross. He's bald. Darren Cross wears the most evil jacket that anybody has ever put on their body ever in this movie. <laughs> right. He shows up wearing leather when he wants to kill Mikey Duggs, which is just too on the nose. And then also he wears like a shiny suit. What are you guys' thoughts on the shiny suit? It's shiny, and that seems like an unnecessary thing for a suit. I agree. I don't get people who wear shiny suits. But it, it does tell you immediately he's the villain. Like, I had zero context coming into this movie, and I knew right off the bat, as soon as I saw him, I go, oh, that's my baddie. And that's fine, but do you want the wardrobe to tell you that he's the villain, or do you want his actions to tell you that he's the villain? I lean toward actions, personally. And I think they both do, but, I mean, you know, at the beginning of the movie, we're dating a little bit, right? Like, you need to pull me in with something, and his outfit is what does Something. It. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't find him to be one of the better... MCU villains. He he kind of uh, he, he shows Guy Pierce like. He's very Guy Pierce like in my mind. I feel like you don't feel three. like he's truly evil until he's like, yeah, I'm selling it to Hydra because you know what? Fuck the world. I don't give a shit. I get to have all this money because I'm going to sell him the cross particles or whatever he's going to end up calling them. Yeah, but is his motivation money or is it showing Pim that, like, hey, I want to do it? Yeah. Is it his? I think it's the Pim thing. I feel like to a certain extent it is, but yeah, it, I, I want to go point five because he has this realization of the yellow jacket suit, but even the one yellow jacket suit is defeated by an ant man. Yeah. It's not even that great of a is, design. If that's the case, maybe it's a point two five. It's even. decades old tech at that point too. Right. That beats Man, his, his. I don't think I like him. New super soldier, whatever. Yeah. I don't think I like him. I'm going to go point two five. Agreed. I think Corey Stoll's great. Corey I think Stoll that the villain great. itself is not great. Um, yeah. Although, I mean, he just does, he kills people and cleans up the scene real well, and he's real mean to animals. <laughs> you say cleans up the scene real well? He uses a wet paper towel and then flushes it. That's all he does. You yourself hey, said it's the perfect crime. If, You're right. <laughs> if more people would do that, we might not be taking this podcast from home. You're right. That's, that's totally That's fine. true. Uh, 0. 0.25. 0.25. Parents. No idea. That's a big old zero. No clue. I mean, big unless, zero. unless we're counting Hope's mom. We are not. She's not the hero. It's, it, this is Ant-Man. It's in the title. Yeah, she's she is. This I is a Scott Lang story. All right, well, then let's talk about Hope. Female characters. 
I don't care for the way she looks in this movie. I think the haircuts. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not kind of defeating the purpose of the category. If it you're going to rate her on her def- life. It definitely is. Yeah, no, this is, is a this is a rare one for me where I think the look <laughs> of the character affects the way that I take the character in. Because I do think she kicks ass. Where in all the training scenes, she beats the shit out of Scott Lang. And it's awesome. Yeah. But that haircut. The haircut's so very let's just bad, be clear but I understand this is, they're trying this to. This is irrelevant of gender. It's not. It's female characters. It's extremely relevant of gender in this one. David, damn it, I'm trying to take you out of the hole you're digging yourself <laughs> when we're talking no, about in, the- I'm really not in a hole this time because I'm one of the bigger defenders of this category <laughs> where I think that this one here, she does not do a good job with the way that she looks. And I think oh that that God. is you, an issue with what leg no, are listen, you standing on with this. I think this is an issue with Peyton Reed. I think this is the way that this character is brought up because you see, there's flashback photos on Mikey Doug's desk of her looking like Evangeline Lilly, and I think that the reason why she looks this way is because it feels more of a Hydra thing. I think they're trying to invoke the look she had in the comic books with the short hair. And she, if that's the case, it it doesn't translate well. I think her motivations, they're kind of all over the place because she understands why it needs to be Scott Lang, but then she gets very pissed off that it is Scott Lang and that it's not her, and then she trains Scott Lang and then she gets pissed off again, and I can't tell if it's good acting or it's just what is written there. I can't I, tell. I, I, I can't I tell what she's bringing. I, I think it's she's a very human character. I, I think she's not right. archetyped, and she is complex, and she Do you think wants she things understands, that are contradictory. Yeah. Okay, do you, I, I feel like she feels erratic. But I also think that she feels like she might be under like the time crunch that she sees at firsthand what's happening. Right. And since she's already ingrained herself into this system, it's understandable that she would be upset that her dad is trying to bring okay. in somebody new. She's upset, but she gets it. I would love to give her a one because I think she's I a think kick-ass that's character. Very relatable. But she doesn't pass the Bechtel test, and I think the most I could give her is a .75. And I don't know where you guys mm-hmm. are thinking with that. But I think she's a scientifically. You just broke it down there. That's true. She never she, talks she to Maggie ass. or Cassie, who are the other two females mm-hmm. in the movie. There you go. Cassie is also fantastic, though. She's very, very good. If we had a category for child actors, she would be getting at least a one. Fair enough. And Ju- Judy Greer's great. Oh, I love me some Judy. And we get Peggy Carter in that opening scene too, which is a we fun callback. But it is really... a very fun callback. That's the world building that we're going to get. That's all it is. And I think it's the only time we ever get Peggy where she doesn't go, oh, Steve Rogers. <laughs> she passed the Peggy test. It's like a Bechdel test, but it's Peggy test where you don't talk about Steve. You, you get you get through one whole movie without talking about Steve Rogers. You did it. We, we had to keep it. you we to know. one scene, but you did it. So what's our score for female characters? 0.75, I think is what we said. I think that, the that most. works. Setting. San Francisco. But is it? It could be anywhere. Yeah, it could be it's anywhere. It's sort of uh, in the wide shots, it is. That's Barely. True. Barely. They, they definitely do use a little bit of San Francisco, but I never feel like it's California. Mm-hmm. It, it just. I didn't see Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage having a Hummer chase scene anywhere. There's one point where Paxton yells SFPD, and I went, oh, shit, That's they're right. in San Fran? Like, it, there's yeah. there's nothing to reinforce that they're in San Francisco other than that. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a whole lot of Atlanta yeah. happening um, here. I'm going to go with 0.25 max. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did like is that the building that they use for Pym Tech is the same building from uh, Anchorman. I love it. My favorite movie ever now. 0. 0.5. 0. 0.25. <laughs> 0. 0.25. Style and tone. A I one? can make the argument for a one here. I think that's where I want to go too with it. 
Yeah, this movie knows what it is, and it really stays in that wheelhouse. And it leans what into it, is. it. It's very good. It's very aware of itself. I don't think I dislike this movie as much as I think I dislike this movie. <laughs> the thing is, I understand why you dislike this movie, but then at the same time, it's like, yeah, I'm, maybe not. You, yeah. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> Let's keep going. Music. Didn't even notice it, except for a uh, slight Avengers theme-esque tune they wave in, or weave in, rather, when you see the building. But other than that, I, I don't even when think they're doing the um, music. The prep for the the first heist where they're going to get the suit, there's like this jazzy thing that's going on that that it's it's there. I, I mean, it didn't take me out of it and I did notice it, but I don't know if it was enough for me to be like, oh, yeah, the music's great. I did really like Wasn't the, enough. Uh, the iPhone scene with the cure. That was good. That was good. But it, even uh, if it was a little scene. bit forced, it <laughs> was. But I do think the composer is very important. Christoph Beck when it comes to this movie. I got two kids. It's Christoph fucking Beck in my household. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Mostly because he's mostly known for doing Frozen <laughs> and Frozen 2. Sure. Which I'm sure you're not sick of hearing at all. I very much am. <laughs> but <laughs> not to mention he's also the composer of The Muppets with Jason Siegel, oh, which is so terrific. good. Life's a filled of fish. Yes, it is. I think Christoph Beck does a, he does a very good job. I mean, I can't hum any of it back, but it all works in this movie. The thing that confuses me is he actually said he wanted to create something that was like a superhero theme because he hadn't heard anything that was like what they're, what John Williams did for Superman or what well, Tim Burton did for Batman. Well, then he fucking blew it And then badly. he went and wrote most of the soundtrack in 7-4 time signature, which is never going to be memorable for anybody because what are you who doing? records anything at 7 beats per measure? It makes no fucking sense. That's insane, first of all. Maybe Elsa and Anna would love that, but not here. But even then, not here. people would be like, how do I... I can't even... No. Okay, so you just... That's a great argument. There. Uh, I'll go 0.25. 0.5 max. I think 0.25 is probably where this needs to be. Point Fair enough. I, man, you just musically destroyed Christoph Beck. I mean, I hate to do it, but the music in this is, it's fine. It's not bad. It's, it's fine. It serves its purpose. It's just there's nothing memorable about it. Yeah. One-liners. Ugh. I'm going to go with a 0.5 off the bat. Why? I think all the Baskin-Robbins things are very, very funny. Baskin-Robbins always two. finds out. Baskin-Robbins always cool. finds out. And also, <laughs> Baskin-Robbins don't play. That's right. Um, I love everything Cassie says in this movie. That little girl is a one-liner machine where she's like, hope you don't catch him. Or even, he's so ugly. I love him. Mikey Duggs with, how's your face? That's that's pretty good. I don't know that it's quotable or... <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, I, I'll go I also, 0. 0.5, 0. I like, I like in that Falcons. Range. It's really important to me that Cap never finds out about this. That's a very good line. That was good, too. That's fine. That was good. Yeah. So. I'm still in that range of 0. 0.25, 0. 0.5. Yeah, I'm leading 0. I think 0. that's 5, right. Too. Fair enough. What about when, uh, when they were putting the heist team together and everyone kept saying, you son of a bitch, I'm in. That was really quotable. I like that a lot. <laughs> you son oh, of a bitch, different, I'm in. <laughs> different show? My oh, bad. you know yep. what? Do you know <laughs> yes, what my favorite <laughs> exchange in this movie was, I think? is when Hank is trying to convince Scott to actually do the thing. And, and Scott's like, all right, I'm in. I'm done breaking into places and stealing shit. My days of breaking into places and stealing shit is over. What do you want me to do? And he's like, I need you to break into a place and steal some shit. 
That was very good. That was very good. That is very good. I'm not, still going to go point two. Not a one liner. That's case. Fine. So yeah, point two five. And the final category is impact on the genre. Mm. I'm going to go. I'm going to go minimum one. I'm, I might go one five. I think you have to go minimum one when this movie sets the stage for the ending to the entire saga, which really defines the yeah. genre. I'm in agreement that it one needs five. to be a one. I don't know if I can go over it because they I introduced mean, the legitimately concept. the entirety of what's to come. Yeah, but they 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 barely introduce the concept of the quantum realm. It's in passing. He goes there for a second. What do you second. mean they barely do it? They fully do it. They say it's the quantum realm. It's this 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 and this. It's yeah, science but, words. But they really don't delve farther into it until Ant Man and the Wasp. That's fine. If you want to go with that, Ant Man and the Wasp is going to fucking clean up when it comes to that. Then then. So let's go with. A one here, and in the future, Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to break a scale. <laughs> we need to understand that right away. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm open to, to talking about it. It's it's definitely a one, because this is a very important thing. I'm willing to go one and then a one, two, five, but we really don't do that that often. No, so. no, that's true. It's just, it's a it's a concept that gets introduced here, but it's... I don't know. It's not like a. Big it's the part most of important the concept in the MCU. Uh, but realistically, in the MCU, you have two sides of it. You have I'm going to get all five of these these rock things and snap, yep, and yep, then yep. everyone's fucked. Yep. And then you also have uh, we're going to go I'm going to get real small time. and be able to and and go back in time. Right. That's the two sides of this thing. But this the thing, thing is, is bigger than you can imagine. The original script for this movie never had anything mentioned about the quantum realm at all. It got added in at the last minute when the whole thing... Let it be added at the, the last whole minute thing the final cut. That's what matters. handled in this, the sequel, though. So it's not necessary to this movie, so I don't know that this movie is what has the huge impact on the genre. While I hate to agree with Dave, just because it didn't have to be in the movie, it is in the movie, though. It's very much in the movie. Quantum realm, when you say that, it sets up everything. Sure. I think we're going to go with our first 1.25. All right. 1.25. Never done it. Why the hell not? Why this not is a big start one. today? We've been doing all sorts of weird stuff lately, so. <laughs> hey, like this movie? Just make up your own rules, you know? That's what this movie did, right? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever is convenient. Ant-Man is going to get a total Super Stuff score of six. You me. say that, you say that, Brian, but allow me to introduce uh, the su- the sidekick super score. Um, yes! On the blue oh. character scale, it gets a whopping zero. <laughs> there okay. are zero blue characters in this movie. It's true. Steven, I want to I apologize for that. I, I'll take some time and get to accepting that, but it's too soon. <laughs> <laughs> on, you didn't even cosplay this episode. On the Matt Stone... Uh, not wanting to sound like a queer scale, also receives a zero. That's true. It do- does not get And any last but not that. leastly, on the convenient mutant scale, it also receives a zero, bringing oh, this wow. down to a three. Goodness. That's I uh, unfortunate for this movie, really. I didn't realize that zeros were they negative are... on the super sidekick score. <laughs> That's math. Uh, Thursday I'm... created this math for us, and we just live in this world now. Well, much like you may or may not know about master's degrees, uh, they're useless, and I'm getting mine in statistics, so do what you want with that. <laughs> there it is. So six <laughs> minus zero is three. <laughs>
or six plus zero. I don't know what's happening. I don't know how the score affects anything. Nothing matters anymore. We're all going to be dead soon anyway. From That's true. It's don't fine. go outside. Wash your hands. Stay home. Listen to us or don't or watch whatever movies you do want. whatever you're going to do because you're going to do it anyway. Exactly. Brian, what are we talking about next week? Uh, next week, I believe we're celebrating another successful circumnavigation of the sun for one Mr. Dave Michaels. So I want you to pick the movie. Last year, my birthday pick, as you know, me and Brian, we, we alternate birthday picks. Last year, I birthdays. chose Howard the Duck. Brian chose Power Rangers. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, that, that happened. I had to endure his birthday. This year, for my birthday, I wanted to keep this thing slightly super, if you will, as we kind of try to do. Yeah. Next week, we are talking about Demolition Man. Holy shit. I don't know what that is. The three seashells have never been more important because of the toilet paper. Exactly. Uh, so, stay you know, tuned. Taco Bell is extremely <laughs> important. It, Wesley Snipes is let out of jail. It's it's very important. This movie is I'm very so topical. Ec- is this Sylvester Brian's Stallone? Brian's never seen it. I'm so excited. It's sure. It's oh, not even I, just him. It's Wesley Snipes as well. I do know the movie. I do know the movie. It's fucking terrific. I have never Brian's seen never it. Seen it. very excited to. Can't wait. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the podcast platforms wherever you listen. You can like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cape Podcasters. We have a Patreon where we talk about non-super movies and some other stuff coming soon. That's patreon.com slash Podcasters. And you can send us an email at katepodcasters at gmail.com if you have anything you want to say or ask about any of the nonsense we just talked about. Steven, thanks for being here, bud. Thanks for coming here and doing the thing and even though there were no blue people there were no blue people but i'm actually in my bedroom because the world is ending so it wasn't that heavy of a lift and uh (laughs) what kind of sidekick what kind of sidekick would i be if i wasn't there for you know my capies here you're very sweet i can't wait to put nipples on your new suit like fucking robin (laughs) (laughs) i'm waiting for them just to be cut out actually where it's just a suit everywhere except the nipple except that's right Be careful what you wish for. Someday I'm going to grow up and be accept the nipple man when I'm no longer a sidekick. That's perfect. It's going to be like Rocco's Modern Life, looking at my nipples of the future. That's going to be Steven, and that's where he is now. It'll be great. So I guess we're going to see you next week for Demolition Man. Same pod time. Same pod ant colony. That's it, man. So, Dave, what do you think happens after the credits? What I think happens after the credits is we get a quick little scene of Hank Pym talking to Scott Lang, saying, now, I know you, you know the suit can get all small and stuff like that. There might be a threat down the road where you need to get really small and climb up a butthole. Are you prepared to do that? Like a purple butthole? <laughs> could, could you do that if need be? I need to understand this now before I let you keep this suit. Are you prepared to do that, Scott Lang? <laughs> why, why am I going to have to climb a butthole? You might have to get really big when you're inside the butthole and explode something from the inside out. It's just a theory.
that might have to happen. Uh, is this is really just setting up a fan theory? It's terrific, but that's all it is. I love it, <laughs> Stephen. What do you think happens post credits? Uh, so like, once again, uh, not think. I know what happens post credits. Um, oh, it's a job well done. Paul Rudd sitting at uh, you know, the the kitchen table the next morning with uh the soon to be wasp and uh they're going over their training regiment for the day and uh Scott Lang has in front of him a fat stack of pancakes and uh the syrup is just out of reach he's just just can't get it with his fingers so he starts focusing really hard on the ants he's thinking and he's thinking and then the doorbell rings <laughs> and hope hope goes to the door to answer it for 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 Scott while he's still reaching and reaching trying to enjoy his pancakes and uh <laughs> You know, the door opens and it pans to, uh, you know, rather large woman's feet uh, at at the doorstep. And and Hope goes, you know, Scott, the the door's for you. So he he comes over to the door and a large black rotund woman with a red bandana is uh, in the doorway and she's holding out her syrup. And Scott goes, Jemima! (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) He summoned the wrong aunt. Oh my god! His powers are very good once he can focus. That's very good for him. <laughs> Brian, what do you think happens post credits? I think Scott does very well working with Hank. He makes some money. He's he's doing good for himself. He has his own apartment. He's moved out of Luis's place. He's not on the couch anymore. He's got his own place. He's hanging out one day, uh, maybe training, maybe doing some some electrical engineering whatever and there's a knock at the door and he goes over and he opens it and it's hope and she's standing there just looking right at him very serious deadpan face and he's like hope what are you doing here and she says i need to give you cancer 